good to see you this morning. I hope you had a great week. Uh, really excited about today, not just because it's the Super Bowl. I love football. If you know me well, you know that's a passion of mine. But uh, excited to be with you and excited for, uh, for you to hear some things that are happening uh, somewhere far, far away from us. Uh, and uh, some of you know some of the mission work that we've done. And so you're going to get to hear some of that firsthand today. But opportunities for you to be a part of that, and that's going to be great. Um, if you are just joining us, I want to let you know we've been going through a series since January 1st called City on a Hill. And really this comes from Matthew chapter 5. We've been doing uh, a series uh, on Sunday mornings in a class going through. In fact, we've been inviting you to, to learn uh, some of the Sermon on the Mount to memorize that with us. And so we've got to see several people going through that together. It's been wonderful. Uh, but in that sermon, Jesus says, listen, you're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. And so we've been walking through that together saying exactly what does that mean for me? What does it mean for me to be a city on a hill? And we kind of walk through as Jesus says, like, you're the light of the world. Really, the, the Greek word there uh, kind of harkens back to the idea of a picture that, that Jesus says, you are the picture of God to the community around you. The way that you interact with them is a reflection. It's a, it's a picture of who God is. So be careful in the way that you live. And we haven't talked about this, but we're kind of closing up this series today with some kind of special stuff. And so I'm going to go ahead and ask Jessica and Misa and Jana to come on up. Uh, and you can have a seat right up here. Uh, but as you do so, we're, we're talking today about uh, being the salt of the earth. And so, so for some of you, you recognize Jesus says, listen, you're the light of the world. Uh, but he also says, you're the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses saltiness, it's no longer good for anything. And I don't know about you, but uh, when I go to a movie, for me, you guys can come on up and just have a seat at any one of these places right here. Um, when I go to a movie, I, I'll just confess to you, uh, I have a hard time being in a dark, comfortable place for very long without falling asleep. That's just who I am. It doesn't matter how great the movie is. Uh, once the popcorn runs out, it's donezo for me, right? And so, um, but I've learned this in life that the, that the popcorn is really only as good as how much butter and salt you have on it, right? I mean, uh, if, you, if you lose those two things, you're losing it all. And, one thing I've learned about salt is you're not going to go into a movie theater and eat some salty popcorn without being really thirsty. And what I've found to be true with most Christians, what I've found to be true with most churches is sometimes we lose our saltiness. That makes people thirsty for more of Jesus. Like sometimes if they have enough taste of us, it's like, yeah, I don't really want that anymore. I don't, I'm not really interested in that anymore. I, I kind of lost uh, the flavor of it. And so I think I'm good. I think I'll pass. And so today, as we look at and we close out our series on what it means to be a city on a hill, and we look at, at kind of what it means to live a lifestyle that's salt to the earth, uh, I couldn't think of better people to come and talk. In fact, I'm so excited to have you guys here uh, with us today. 
to share about how they're being salt in their community. Uh, I think you're going to be really encouraged and inspired. Uh, and I hope some of you are going to be taking a trip with us here in a couple more months to Honduras. You're going to get to hang out with some of these folks. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, but if you can't go, you'll find out different ways that you can help encourage and support uh, their ministry. And so I'm going to have a seat here uh, with hopefully out, uh, not killing anything up here. And uh, I just want to introduce, I'm going to allow you guys to introduce yourself. Uh, I met Jessica in, was it 2015? 2015. Uh, Many of you know that my wife, Veronica, and I, we go to Honduras. We try to go every year, uh, and we work with a team of people that put on a, a retreat kind of a getaway for missionaries in Honduras. And so that's how we got to meet Jessica and uh, other people who work alongside of her. And, um, and so I'm excited for you guys to be here and share your story and then talk about how your stories intertwine. And so, Jessica, I'm going to start with you and just allow you guys to kind of introduce yourself, who you are, and what ministry you do. Um, my name is Jessica. I am um, from Alabama, as you can probably tell. Um, <laughs> we are from northeast Alabama, uh, and I moved to Honduras uh, in 2016, actually, but I had already, I was doing some work in Honduras prior to that. After several years of working in Honduras, um, felt God call me to something more permanent there. Um, I moved and met up with Kim Pate, who is um, another missionary there in Honduras. Um, She was starting her own ministry called In the Midst and knew that that was something that we wanted to partner with. So that is the ministry that we serve with now. Um, This is Misa. Misa is my husband. Um, He is Honduran. We met there in 2015 also and got married in 2018, and we served together with In the Midst Honduras. Uh, We have two little ones. We have a five-year-old, Ezra, and a two-year-old named Darby. And Darby is the sweetest, and I became one of her biggest fans uh, on our last trip. We got to stay there, and um, I think she figured out very quickly that uh, she had me wrapped around her finger, and I think think we went everywhere together, her and I, for a day or two, so very, very sweet. And Jonna, I'd like for you to just introduce yourself and your ministry as well. I think so. My name is Jonna Carver. I'm also from Alabama, Northeast Alabama. Um, I have uh, four sons. Brayden, he's 15. John Luke would have been 10 um, on January the 22nd. And then I have two um, two-year-old twins. Um, we partnered with In the Midst um, Honduras in 2020 to form John Luke Carver Homes of Hope after our six-year-old son passed away in a tragic accident and um, so homes are built in honor of John Luke but to serve the Lord who has been so good to us during our um, time of loss and and it's just really helped helped us in our grief process and it's helped us in um, knowing that good can come from tragedy and God's holding true to his promises and I just want to serve him and so um, I love to go to Honduras and I could I could live there, but I, they, my husband and my other family's <laughs> like, we have things to do here. But um, it's a wonderful ministry that they do. So um, talk about you've been there a couple of times, and you guys have built some of these homes 
that you're talking about. So can you share some of that experience? And, and uh, the last time we were on a home build, Misa, you were your, your construction guru. Not only do you preach, but you are like the community go-to guy. Uh, I mean, I, I saw it firsthand on the ground there. Like everybody comes to you guys for pretty much anything. And so Misa is not only preaching every Sunday, he's helping encourage other preachers around. Uh, we went to, we got to go to a wake that night and they're, they're giving food to people. Um, they're helping out in, in so many different ways. So talk about some of the, some of the ways that you saw there um, as you went and you guys just built the hundredth home just just a couple weeks ago, right? Uh, and then some other things that you guys do within the midst. Um, we went, we, we weren't there for all, we haven't been there for all the builds, but we, we went um, last June um, with a small group from our church and my husband and my children. And um, we got to build one house while we were there. Uh, we come home a couple of days early, but they built like two more houses while we weren't there. Um, going into those homes um, for us for two years before, they were just pictures. And um, we really wanted to go and see uh, the homes and it, and see what the Lord was doing. I mean, it, it has John Luke's name in it, and he, he was one of my most prized earthly possessions, and now I have him laid up in heaven. And going and seeing the homes and being a part of that, has helped so much in, in knowing that, you know, when the Bible says that through your storms and devastations, God promises, you know, to bring good out of those. And he has shown those in those homes for us. And then um, the Lord laid it on my heart last January. John Luke was born in January, and he laid it on my heart to try to build um, 10 homes for his 10th birthday. And I just, I thought, gosh, that's a lot of money. It turned, it was like $21,000, and I thought, oh, that's a lot. And so I kind of hem-hawed around about it, and then we went, and I saw, and it put more of um, of a fire in me. And I wanted to, I just couldn't wait to get home and just, like, hit the ground running and fundraising and growing and trying to raise enough money. And um, we actually built, um, th- or actually raised enough, I think it was like 24 and a half homes. So, um, but we were there for the hundredth house. So your goal was ten, and, and he you pro- he provided um, twenty about twenty four and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And you just built your hundredth one this just a couple weeks ago. On his tenth birthday, we actually got to build the one hundredth home. Um, that was amazing. Um, just just the experience of. You're providing a need from, for somebody else, and then at, with every home, they hear the, they get to hear the gospel, they hear about John Luke's life, and um, seeds are planted, and souls have been saved because, you know, needs are being met there, and we've seen other things that, you know, we've been twice, and um, just the community, the needs in the community, how Jessica and Kim and Misa meet those needs, they always, they come to them first, mm-hmm. and so... Um, I think there's like 270 still on the list, and that's about a two and a half year wait. Yeah, so there's uh, so there's about 270 on the wait list for a house, right? Uh, and you guys are are really, I mean, cranking them out pretty quick. Uh, it takes about 
a half a day to build one. Um, but uh, you have help from various people who come and uh, are in the community and, and get that done in a pretty quick time. Jessica, can you tell us a little bit about the home? And Misa, feel free. I know Jessica's going to translate a little bit for us today. Uh, by the way, I, I have to say this. Um, we were hanging out. We spent a lot of time on the back patio, uh, of the home, which, is a, which is wonderful. And one of my favorite memories uh, of spending time there this past time was uh, we had a, a shooting competition with Misa, who apparently is he's he's a dead eye. Like he's got he's got it all zoned in. So I think it was really more of a test for everybody else who was there to see how if, if we could measure up to uh, to Misa and his his skills there. So lots of fun. Uh, but do you want to tell us a little bit about the homes and the home building process there? Um, yes. So the homes are 16 by 16 wood homes. Um, the cost of wood has gone up a little bit right now, so it's about $2,800, I think, is the cost for one home. Um, we can build um, one in about four to six hours, depending on how many volunteers we have that day. Um, we have built as many as three in a day when we have teams from the states come and help us with construction. Um, but they get, um, uh, most people, they come with a wood floor. It's designed with a wood floor. A lot of people have decided that they don't want that floor. They would rather pour concrete floors. And so um, we still leave them with that wood. And a lot of them have built extra rooms onto their home or a kitchen or something that would better serve them and their family. Um, so some of them are bigger than what we are originally building. But we provide the wood for the 16 by 16 and then um, go from there. We've had some teams who have... Um, decided to donate the money for the concrete floor that, um, of the home that they're building. And so several people have been blessed that way. But um, like Jonna said, we've had a, um, the privilege of serving with the Carvers, um, her family, and the grandparents of John Luke, um, some aunts and uncles and different things. And um, they do a really great job when they are there, especially, and we always try to make sure that we share with every family um, about John Luke's life. We share the gospel with them and tell them how this is just a temporary home, but we have an opportunity to make plans for our eternal home. And um, that's why I love this project so much, because it's just an open door for us to be able to share the gospel with each and every family who receives a home. And, and that is just a part like one small piece of really what you guys do within the midst. Um, one of the things I was so surprised with, and when I say like, uh, you know, Jesus encourages us to be the salt of the earth, and that kind of draws us in, that makes us thirsty for more. Um, Y'all's places happen from morning till night. I mean, there's people constantly come in and go in, and they want to hang out with you guys. Number one, because you're super fun and cool, all right? Uh, so I won't take away from that. But um, tell us about some other things that you do in the community um, that really helps the community. Well, we have been blessed in a lot of different areas, and God's opened a lot of doors for us to minister in different ways. Um, first, um, we have three churches that we've planted in the community, uh, Mas uh, Misa Pastors, the uh, main campus church there right on the property with the mission home. Um, and so we serve with that church. Um, we have a church in the community of Guaymaca, which is about 40 minutes away from our main campus. Um, and Brother Ronnie pastors that church. Um, he was saved under our ministry and his entire family. 
about three years ago, and um, God has raised them up to pastor that church. They're doing an excellent job. And then um, our third church is in a community called San Jeronimo. It's in the southern part of Honduras. Um, that's about four and a half hours from us. Um, we had been taking a group every Saturday morning. They would get up at five o'clock in the morning. They would drive the four and a half hours, um, hold discipleship classes, and then a church service, and then drive home after that. Um, but God has blessed us with another family out of our main campus church that has decided to go. And um, just last month, they moved to pastor there as well. Um, Miguel and Lourdes are their names, and uh, both of them also were saved under our ministry. And so God is just raising up people out of our, our main campus church to, um, to carry on these churches. We have a couple of other areas that we're praying about, seeing what um, God would have us to do if we'll start churches there as well. Uh, but we also have a feeding program. We partner with the local elementary school that's directly across the street from us. Uh, they have about 220 students or so. We feed them every day from Monday through Friday. Um, they come. Honduras, the school um, schedule looks a little bit different, so they only go half days so that the school doesn't have to provide a meal. Uh, but we have been able to provide that hot meal for them um, during lunchtime. So we actually feed all of the students, all of the teachers, all of the staff at the school, all of our staff, and about 60 elderly. So we give 300 meals a day Monday through Friday. And um, that totaled about 60,000 meals last year that we were able to provide. And that actually, that program starts back tomorrow. The new school year has just started, so they are getting back into that. And the feeding center will open up again tomorrow. Uh, we have a ministry where Misa and a couple of the guys are able to minister to the police officers in our community. Uh, we have a military ministry now that we go in once a month and we're able to preach to the military. Uh, we help with medical needs. Um, we have host teams that do medical brigades and we're able to meet basic medical needs. Um, just so many things that God has opened the door for us to be able to share the gospel with people. Yeah, and it's amazing to me um, if you travel anywhere with Kim or Jessica or Misa in their community, um, you, can't, you can't go 10 feet without people waving, stopping for them to say hello. They, uh, they are so loved and respected because of all the things that you are doing in and through your community, um, because you guys truly are being the salt of the earth uh, there. And so I want to just ask you a quick question. I want you to think about, you guys are making huge changes, um, each one of you. Uh, and some of those ripple effects, you'll never really even know. Um, but some of the biggest changes, and we talked about that uh, a few weeks ago here, is that the changes that happen in us, um, the things that, that we recognize that God is changing and shaping in us, uh, we, oftentimes we think about other people, but uh, many times God's doing a work in us, a refining work. So I would love to hear from each one of you maybe how, um, how you have been shaped by the ministry that you were being a part of. You didn't even know that, you know, you know it was going to be about you, and then all of a sudden God pointed out something about you, or he revealed something to you and changed you in some way. So I'll open that up to anybody who wants to answer that. With, with ours, um, when, when John Luke was in the hospital, I never, I never dreamed that, that the Lord was working um, and planning on something like this. And then um, 
he, you know, he's always working. And um, my prayer, of course, was that he would, he would heal him on this side of heaven, and he told me no. And um, now I can see why he told me no, and that was to, um, to grow the kingdom. And, and while it still hurts and I don't, I don't like it, I have had, had he have told me yes and he had let John Luke stay here with me, I don't think that I would have ever experienced his goodness and his grace and um, dug down in the word and grown closer to him and um, I have a stable foundation in my relationship with him and um, it's uncomfortable to go through those changes to become um, obedient and to do as he as he would have me to do but it has um, it's 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 changed my life because I want to serve him and I and I know that I need him and without him I am nothing and prior to um, John Luke's accident we were normal people and had lived normal lives and um, I needed him when I needed him but now I need him all the time and so um, he shows up all the time and um, and just going and seeing how he and 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 shortly after John Luke's accident I began to um, pray that he would reveal things to me and you know I wanted to learn more about where John Luke was I was saved when I was nine but I wanted I never dug down I never grew as a Christian and so I wanted to learn and um, he has he has revealed things to me and I've grown closer to him that I don't think that I would have had this not have come about and then seeing the things that he has done in Honduras I mean no I mean that was not even on our radar and he you know is using what was mine to grow the kingdom and I'm honored for that and it's just been a blessing to go and see and serve and and be obedient to him I want to be obedient to him more than I've ever wanted to be before I appreciate that obedience because I, I see the ripple effect, even while we were there, um, got to see the ripple effect of, I think, taking um, a tragedy and grief and hardship and allowing God to use those really hard uh, places in your life and, and opening up to the possibility that God could still work beauty from, from devastation. And so I appreciate your openness and willingness to do that. We, I'm sure we have people in this room right now or people who are listening online who might be experiencing their own grief. And it may not be uh, in the form of the loss of a child. Uh, it may be or uh, the loss of a loved one or just some kind of grief. And if you had, uh, well, I didn't prep you with this question, so I apologize. But I'm just sitting here thinking about if you could say anything to somebody who's walking through grief with their faith and wondering, how do I do that? How does that go hand in hand? What would you say? Um, for me, when, when it happened, I knew that I had, I had two choices. He had told me no, and I was mad. And I knew that I could have went away, and that, that went away would have been, a ve- I would have been miserable. I would have been very hard. It, I, it would have been a very hard life. I wouldn't have been a good wife. I wouldn't have been a good mother. I would, I, my, I would have not have been a good Christian. I wouldn't have been a good friend. Um, but I wanted, but I know that John Luke lives there, and so therefore I wanted, I wanted to learn more about it, and leaning into him, um, 
draw in closer to him and he will draw closer to you and and you can feel his presence and and the bible tells us you know grace and peace and and his love and he's faithful and if you will allow him to use what you're going through and and just i mean our i never dreamed that he would use our loss and tragedy in building homes for the homeless but he has and you know that may look different your your walk may look different but he can he will still be faithful and he will still be he'll still give you the grace that you need you can't understand it unless you're going through it yourself but you know if you just allow him to and you just stand still and just let him let him cover you he he will do that Mm -hmm. um it's hard it's hard to not question it's hard to not try to fix it on your own but if you will just submit yourself to him completely and submit your your grief to him he knows we're mad he knows we're hurting he already knows all those things and if you'll just let him help you he will help you but you have to be willing to let him thank you appreciate it jessica or misa yeah um i guess the ministry's changed me in a lot of different ways um, I was very fearful, um, even as a child. I had dealt with a lot of fear and anxiety, and um, have always been very introverted. And so, um, everything that we do as a ministry, um, like he said, there's people at our house all the time, 24/7. Um, for us to be able to minister to people uh, has really got me out of my comfort zone in so many different ways. Um, Honduras is a wonderful place. Um, it gets a bad rap sometimes that it's not the safest of places. So for me to be able to leave the comforts of my home and uh, with my family and go to somewhere that I didn't know and wasn't sure about um, how safe I would be and things like that, um, God had to do a lot of work in my own heart um, to prepare me to get me ready to be able to do that. And then, um, you know, little things from um, learning a new language and being able to confident enough to share the gospel with someone in another language or to be able to stand in front of a group of women and teach the Bible in another language, things like that um, just really moved me out of my comfort zone. But it made me realize that um, God really does equip us for the work that he has for us and that if we just trust in him and allow him to do the work that he will do um, above what we could ever imagine that he could do with us. And then um, I'll let Misa share. I'll translate for him about how the ministry has changed his life. <clears throat> eh, buenos días. Good morning. Um, bueno, yo, yo puedo compartir un poco de lo que el Señor o el ministerio ha hecho uh, en mi vida. I'm just going to share a little bit about what the Lord and this ministry has done in my life. Y quiero compartir un poco, yo sé que es poco el tiempo que tenemos. I know the time that we have is very short. Pero necesito decirlo para que puedan entender lo que Dios ha hecho en mi vida. But I would like to share just a little bit of my testimony <coughs> so that you can understand where God's brought um, me from. Yo, yo, mi papá y mi mamá se separaron cuando yo nací. My parents separated when I was born. Y yo, eh, trataron a matarme mi mamá y mi padrastro. And my mom and my stepdad tried to take my life. Ah, pero... De ahí, pues, estuve, tre, eh, cumplí tres años en, en, en el Instituto de la Niñez en Honduras. Uh, I was taken um, to an orphanage that's run by the government there in Honduras. Yo después me fui a vivir con mi, una tía mía y mi abuelo. Um, after that time, about three years, I was able to go and live with an aunt y, and my grandfather. Y en ese tiempo, pues, uh, me crié con ellos. Uh, I grew up with them during that time. Mi tía tenía ocho hijos más. 
My aunt already had eight children. Y nosotros éramos cuatro más que dejó mi mamá. My mom abandoned the four of us siblings. Y quiero decirles que yo mi niñez la pasé en la calle, en, eh, no pude terminar mi escuela por uh, por por la pobreza que, que había extrema. I spent a lot of time on the streets as a young child and a youth and I wasn't able to finish school no, because of the poverty that we lived in. Y no pude hacer como todo niño eh, tener una educación. I didn't have a life like most children and I wasn't able to get an education. Y a los 12 años yo empecé a me fui de la casa a tomar. Uh, I left home when I was 12 years old and y, began to drink. Y me fui a trabajar supuestamente pero también a Um, a los 12 años yo conocí la calle, empecé a andar en la calle. But when I was 12, um, I had left home to work and I began living on the streets, drinking, doing By the time I was 12, I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Y lo que yo hacía era para eso. And everything that I made went to that. Entonces mi vida fue en el ámbito de la calle, la droga y todo lo contrario. So the whole um, My whole youth was spent as an alcoholic and drug addict. Pero eh, Dios, eh, por medio de los misioneros de King, de mi esposa. But God, through missionaries like Kim and my wife. Llegaron a, a Honduras. They came to Honduras. Y me dieron la oportunidad de trabajar en el ministerio. They gave me the opportunity to work in the ministry. Sin ser cristiano yo. Uh, I wasn't a Christian yet at the time. Pero ellos siempre me hablaron de Jesucristo. But they began to share um, with me about Jesus. Entonces, um, hubo un día que el Señor llamó a mi corazón. There was a day, uh, a time when God, I felt him speaking into my heart. Y ese heart. día, pues, yo recibí a Cristo en mi corazón. And that day, I received Christ as my Savior. Entonces, Dios cambió todo lo malo que había en mi vida y todo lo que yo había vivido atrás. And at that time, God changed everything that had um, happened in my life, everything that I was living at that time. Y hoy soy lo que soy gracias a él. And today, I am what I am thanks to the Lord. Entonces, esta es la forma que Dios ha hecho en mi vida. Cómo Dios ha cambiado mi vida. That is the way that the Lord has changed my life. Eh, esto es lo que el Señor ha hecho conmigo. It's what the Lord has done and through my heart. Y hoy, eh, el ministerio in the means, uh, uh, es uno de los ministerios que eh, estamos uh, 100% creyendo y predicando de Jesucristo. And uh, in the midst is a ministry that believes 100% and preaches 100% in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Porque yo personalmente soy testigo, soy testimonio de lo que Dios puede hacer en la vida de una persona. And I am just a testament of what the Lord can do in the life of someone. Y eso es lo que puedo decir, lo que Cristo ha hecho en mi vida. And this is what um, the Lord has done in my life through this ministry. Hmm. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Uh, um, what, you, what you don't know about Misa and, and his story uh, is that, and I think, I think I'm telling this right, so if I'm not, correct me, but he grew up in that area. So everybody around there knew him as a child, knew the trouble he was in, knew, knew Misa as this kind of troublemaking, into drugs, alcohol, kind of uh, orphan, troublemaker kind of kid. And I think there probably would have been a time for Misa where it would have been easy to kind of 
wants your life changed to walk away and be like, all right, I'm going to leave all that behind. But you have such a gift in a heart that God has opened back up to that same community who's seen the life change in you. Um, and um, what's powerful is everybody in that community, and it's a very rural community, um, has seen God at work in you. And that's been a powerful, that is being uh, salt and light to, to the world. So uh, I appreciate you uh, being able to live out that journey, even though it might feel like, you know, like, I don't want, you know, I'm embarrassed from the past. Or, I, you know, there might be things where you're like, oh, gosh, I, I remember this family might feel this way about me. He, he is so revered in his community uh, because of the life change that God has done through Misa. I'm, I'm going to wrap up here uh, with us today, and I don't want to miss an opportunity for people to, to know how to get more involved about um, with you guys and for you guys. And I want to let you know, a couple of weeks ago, we got to celebrate our ninth year together at, at Wellhouse Church. We got to celebrate in this new place, which we're really excited about. And we asked people, normally we celebrate with a big party and we, you know, we've roller skated, we have pizza. But this year, we did something a little different. We asked people to bring in some stuff with them as birthday gifts. We're celebrating our birthday. Uh, and some of those gifts were for people in the community here. But some of those gifts were for you guys and your ministry. And so we asked you, what would be something that would be helpful for In the Mist? You told us uh, a couple of things that would be helpful is backpacks and umbrellas. Can you tell us why? Um, so most people in our community don't have cars as a form of transportation. Most of the people um, ride bicycles or motorcycles, and everybody needs a backpack to carry their stuff in if they're not in a car. So that is something that's very helpful for us. And um, also, most of the people are on foot everywhere they go. Um, and so umbrellas protect them not only from the rain, but from the sun. It's very hot and sunny where we are. So as you walk down the street, a lot of people need umbrellas to be able to get there without being in the sun. So. It's very hot. Miso today was talking about how cold he's freezing. And I was like, <laughs> bro, when I'm there, I'm dying. So, um, yeah, yeah, we, we're on the opposite end of that. Um, and so what we did was we asked our people to bring in a, a backpack for an adult or umbrella. And we have this thing packed full for you guys to take back so that as people stop by and you minister to people, you'll have something there. And we're super glad to be able to bless the community there so that you guys can continue to be salt and light in your community. We also asked everybody to bring a $10 bill with them because we wanted to continue building uh, homes uh, in your son's honor. And so the story of his life will continue on. In addition, the gospel will continue to be shared. And so I'm happy to announce that we were able to raise $351. I don't know. We asked $10 and we got a random dollar. That's all right. We're good. Um, I don't know how that happened, uh, but we're able to uh, give that to you guys to continue on in the journey. I want to let you guys know there's a table set up in the back. And I'm going to ask that you uh, stick around afterwards, uh, check that out, see how else you can be involved. There's been some screens up here. You can uh, scan those QR codes and check it out. Uh, we would love to take you with us. Uh, it is so, it's such a blessing. I'll tell you, this is the first year that we've got to go to In the Midst afterwards for a few days. And uh, lots of life-changing stuff, lots of amazing stuff. Um, but one of the things that absolutely 
melted me was uh, spending time in the, in the feeding center. And these little kids who don't know you at all, I mean, you are, you are no, nobody to them. You should be nobody to them. Uh, as soon as they saw me standing there, they would come up and smile and give me the biggest hug like, like I had done something for them when really I'm just there to sweep up rice off the floor, right? Um, and they, the, the way that they love unconditionally will absolutely change you into a better person. And so I encourage you uh, to, to figure out a way to get involved, whether it's just praying for their ministry, continuing to be salt and light uh, where, where you are, uh, whether it's looking at opportunities that sometimes feel like a devastation, but maybe God is working something through that, uh, or whether it's partnering with them in some way. Uh, coming to, to spend some time there or um, uh, helping, providing funding, whatever it is. Uh, we encourage you to seek them out. They're going to be here for a little while, so make sure that you stop by and uh, introduce yourself and get to know them. We're so thankful that you guys are salt and light in your community, and, and we're, we want to uh, pray that over you as we close out today. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you so much for... Um, for just this time today where we get to see the different ways where people are being salt and light in their community. And we pray uh, that they would be able to continue to do that, um, that, that they would continue to be the place where people come and seek out help and hope and life. And God, I, I know that, the, that there, I'm sure there are days that it's very long uh, and difficult and challenging, but I ask that you would give them grace for that, that you would encourage them, and that they would continue to shine your light in all the things that they do, so that people can see you more clearly, and God, may their faithfulness uh, and energy and courage to do that inspire us to do the same here, with the community where we're at, where it may look very different. And yet, we're called to make people thirsty for you. So may we live in a way that would encourage people to want to know you more. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us today as we continue in worship to God?